This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey, shining on today with your intuition. Three great exercises to help you access your superpower right now today. Plus, we'll take a trip to Alaska, a little history, and a whole lot of beauty on the way. And Mark and Angel, a couple who suffered some deep losses, came through to teach us how we can change our lives with a pen and a piece of paper. Thanks for tuning in today. On the calendar, join me for some Solstice Reiki out in the sunshine at Mariandale and Ossining, June 23rd. Beryl Hay and I will be administering the Reiki. You just sit and enjoy. August 17th through the 19th, it's a women's retreat at Graymore. Casey.co has more. And that's where you can always find more information about our weekly guests. I have a little box on the lower right-hand side with links to all the people you hear about this week. And speaking of guests, here's a favorite of mine, Sarah Weissman, a spiritual intuitive. I am having so much fun playing with her three techniques to ignite our superpower, our intuition. Where do we start? Intuition is really just opening up our awareness. And when we start to pay attention to the more subtle things, we find out that the subtle things are constantly communicating with us and guiding us. Okay, what are some of these subtle things that are communicating with us? Well, there's three major areas that people can quickly access intuition, guiding visions, guiding messages, and nature. Um, Guiding visions you see in your mind's eye, guiding messages you could use in writing or you could use in what I call your mind's ear. And nature, of course, is all that beauty and glory all around us uh, that shows up unexpectedly with little signs and synchronicities. Okay. I'm all over the nature signs. I got that one. But what is a guiding vision? Have I ever had one or how do I help myself have one? You know, a lot of people uh, meditate as a practice and that's a wonderful practice where you go in and and go into a bliss state for a, a longer period of time. But you can also just scoot into that meditative space very quickly, like for a minute or a couple minutes. Basically, you just close, you ask a question you're interested in finding out, you close your eyes, you do a little breathing, you relax, and then you literally just let a vision pop into your mind. And the way the universe works is with visions that are symbolic. So say you asked a question, how am I doing? And your vision was maybe an apple. The apple could mean, uh, it's symbolic, it could mean something about health, It could mean something about apples are related to teachers. Um, It could be something about, you know, eat more apples or go to an apple farm. But that symbolic meaning is going to be something that makes sense to you. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Geez, I never tried that. Do you do it often? Oh, yeah. I teach um, lots of people sort of a a little more in-depth version of that. But what people find is that when they start doing this practice, they think they're going to be making it up in their own mind. But what happens is the mind moves out of the way 
and uh, the, the spirit or the soul or the intuitive self comes forward and provides very different answers than what people thought they would receive. And those answers are, you know, uh, archetypal, symbolic, deep, the kind of deep heart answers that we're looking for. Wow. So I find that fascinating that I could close my eyes, get my mind out of the way and let spirit or source come through me and give me a picture of an apple or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not always going to be an apple. Thank goodness. We don't always want apples. But yeah, and sometimes it'll flash onto uh, a memory is another a way the vision comes in uh, or a symbolic thing. But yeah, the, it's a very rich system. And, you know, it takes a little practice. It, it does take a little trusting at first. Um, but once you kind of know that sweet spot to go, it's a tool you can use all the time right. as like what, how do I figure this one out go into a little vision ah I get it so I think the first step would then be uh, taking to yourself to a point of believing that there's a force in the universe that wants to communicate with us well I, I think or you could maybe not even have that belief and just practice this and see what happened and then that belief would probably start to form because you would see the answers that you were starting to receive, the deeper answers. All right. We're talking to author and spiritual teacher Sarah Weissman. Our topic today is how to use your intuition as your secret superpower. Step one, try those guiding visions. Now, what are guiding messages? Guiding messages, it's a similar way, but you're using um, your mind's ear instead of your mind's eye. And so one very simple way, because a lot of us are really oriented to like writing in a journal, you uh, spend some time with your journal, you write down maybe four or five questions that are really on your mind. And then you do that same process. You just kind of relax, close your eyes, breathe. And then sort of in this sort of gently relaxed state, you open your eyes and you just start writing the answer to the question. And again, it's like the mind will get out of the way, a different voice or a different wisdom will start to come through that isn't ego-based or what you should do or what your mom says you should do or, you know, whatever it is for people, um, a different wisdom will come through that is um, much more powerful and much more important to know. So doing this, using these techniques for guiding visions and guiding messages, will we ever get to the point where we're in communication with the universe without using a gimmick? Sure. You, that, will be, um, that will be the time when, after, it doesn't even take very long, you'll start to just tune into this new system, like using intuition rather than linear rational thought, you'll use a more right brain thought, and you'll begin to just be in a state of kind of flowing to the correct next thing with ease instead of that old the old way, you know, make your pro and con list, look at the facts. You know, there's definitely, there's a place for facts in, in some systems, but for most of us trying to figure out, you know, how do I make my way through my life? the intuitive way of looking at things will provide much more satisfying answers, again, that are heart-based and uh, spirit-based that take us, you know, uh, on a different, a different path than the linear. So is this, this knowledge, is it coming from a place deep inside ourselves or is it coming from outside of ourselves? Well, 
I believe that those are the same, that um, my term would be that we're souls, part of collective soul, and so there's, <laughs> there's no difference. We're not separate. So I think one person I spoke to yesterday said, he said um, it helps him remember. It helps, helps him remember that he's a soul, or it helps him remember that he's connected to source in doing this work. All right, and let's talk about now finding signs in nature. How do we do that? Well, nature's really so um, so fun. Uh, one example recently, uh, I was riding my bike on a woodsy path, and I was thinking about my three kids. And right then, I almost slammed into them. These three little raccoons just walked right across the path. And when you think of you know the the chance of why were the why were the raccoons there when I was there? Why were there three? Why were they young? And it was just the universe saying. Ah, they're all fine. You don't you don't have to worry. <laughs> you don't have to worry about these kids. Look, here they are, right on the path, right in front of you. Oh, how interesting. So, na- yeah, nature's really fun um, in terms of a lot of animal signs, a lot of just feeling the essence, like when you're out walking in the woods, just feeling that calmness so that, again, the mind will go out of the way, you'll be in that relaxed state, and the answers can come to you, like say if you're running or walking or doing something in nature. So it's, uh, it's, it's part of it is the communication, but part of it's how nature takes us to that vibrational state where um, we're so relaxed, the mind is sort of on, a, on break. Yeah. So That's, yesterday yeah. I was walking around a beautiful lake, and if I go around three times, that's 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. I, w- I was on my third walk around, and there's this family of Canadian geese, and they just had new babies. Mm. So they had moved themselves to the edge of the lake. They had been out swimming in the middle. Now they're on the edge of the lake. And when I went to walk by, they hissed at me. The mom and the dad hissed at me and came towards me. They didn't want me to go near their babies. So mm-hmm. I had to go the other way back around the lake to get to my car. Do you think they were trying? Mm-hmm. Do you think they were trying to tell me something? Well, I would immediately look at, like, what does that mean to you, this idea of what does it mean that you had to sort of backtrack or repeat your steps to get to your destination? Like, you weren't able to go where you were trying to go, and the solution was easy, but you had to backtrack. And I would kind of look at if there's any part of your life where that's happening as a pattern, it might correlate. Wow. All right, I got to think about that. The last thing yeah, I, mean, I want to do is go back and retrace my steps, Sarah Weissman. The beautiful journey back, right? You know, it wasn't what we had oh, this idea fun, yeah. backtracking. So, yeah, beautiful, so, so beautiful. Made, yeah. And yeah. I was trying to tell the geese, like mentally say to them, you're good, you're good. You're good. I'm gonna Because the two days before, this happened two days in a row. Three days in a row, actually. Mm-hmm. But the two days before, I would cut a really wide path around them. And I would say uh-huh. mentally, I'm not, I'm just, I'm respecting your space. I'm respecting your family, you know, blessings to your family. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But now the grass has grown so high, I didn't want to walk through the high grass because I know there's snakes. Right, right. Yeah. So instead, to avoid uh, the snakes, I had to, and I didn't want to upset the Canadian geese. I could have just ran right by them and hoped that they didn't bite me in the butt. Well, maybe it's a different meaning, too. You know, maybe it's about uh, respecting respecting nature beings and that's a, a part of your life I, I don't know there could be a lot of interpretations oh you got me thinking I'm, now. I'm glad this maybe there's a, a mother and father that I'm annoying somewhere and they want me to stay away from <laughs> their kids I don't know <laughs> I don't know but 
it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting way to look at, at life. I appreciate it very much. So thank you yeah. so much for uh, teaching us how to use our intuition as your super, your secret superpower. And you are author and spiritual teacher. And where can we go to learn more? Folks can go to sarahweisman.com. There are tons of resources on the website, lots of free stuff. So we'll look forward to seeing people there. Thank you, Sarah Weisman. Hi, it's Casey. And thank you for shining on today. You can find more information about all of our guests at casey.co. And you can enter there to win a few books this week, too. Like Tip of the Iceberg from New York Times bestseller Mark Adams. He travels the world following history and beauty. Come along with us as we travel through historic Alaska. Where did you start, Mark? Well, uh, what I did was I retraced what's called the Harriman Expedition of 1899, which was a journey that started at the bottom of the panhandle of Alaska and sort of went along the coast, the southern coast, out through the Aleutian Islands, and way up north to Nome near the Arctic Circle. And I decided that it might be a good idea to retrace this journey myself. But, you know, instead of doing it by airplane, you can't do any of this by car in Alaska because they just don't have roads. I would do most of it by boat. So they have what's called the marine ferry system up in Alaska. And it's sort of like Amtrak is here. Mm. Uh, You go from town to town to town much more slowly. And it allows you to sort of, you know, stop in, in little places you've never heard of, like Wrangell or Gustavus, and spend a few days and soak up the scenery and get to know the people. Now, you say they don't have roads. There aren't a lot of roads in Alaska, and that's because... Because of the topography. You know, Alaska is... The size of Alaska is California, Montana, Texas, and New England all put together. Wow. Yet it has one quarter the number of miles of roads that Louisiana has. Oh, my. You know, on top of that, add the 10 tallest mountains in the United States, the seven, I think, it has seven individual mountain ranges, nameless rivers, glaciers, <laughs> uh, you know, and such. It's just so big and so varied in topography that it, you know, the undertaking to put roads throughout this, and it's sparsely populated. So you'd, you know, be, be doing a multi, multi-million dollar road project to get from a town of 86 to a town of 17. Right. Um, most of the people live along the coast. It's always been a, a seafaring culture. And the easiest way to get from place to place, especially if you're carrying a lot of stuff, uh, if you have a car or a small truck, is to take the ferry system. Um, and it's, it's super convenient. It's fun. You get to meet the local people. Uh, it's just a little slow. you yeah. gotta, you got to have a lot of time, like a guy who's getting paid to write a book about it. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, you traced the 1899 Harriman Alaska Expedition. Now, the word yes. Harriman is something we know of here in the Hudson Valley. Who is this person? Same name, exactly. Harriman State Park. Edward Harriman was a railroad tycoon. Um, 1899 is right before he becomes super rich. He's just, you know, hitting the, the height of his power. And what he does is it, uh, Alaska cruises have become sort of fashionable by that time. And he says, I'm going to take one of my steamships, outfit it as a luxury yacht, and I've got so much leftover space that I'm going to invite two dozen of America's top natural scientists and artists to come along with me. And this includes John Muir, famous for founding the Sierra Club, George Berg Grinnell, famous on the East Coast for for founding the Audubon Society. And what they do is they go off to Alaska. They expect to find the pristine wilderness that everyone finds up there, maybe have a bit of a boondoggle, make some scientific discoveries because they're going to places that no one's ever been. And they do all that. But what they also discover is that there are these impending 
environmental calamities. You know, the gold mines are dumping cyanide into the water. The salmon, for which Alaska is still famous, are being fished out because the canning companies are, are you know, trying to beat each other by taking the most salmon, you know, essentially putting a net across the entire river and leaving the rest of the salmon to die on the shore so that no one else gets them. The, the fur seals, which you know, first made Alaska famous to outsiders, are almost going extinct. And what they do is they come back to Washington, D.C., and because all of these guys are well-connected, they're able to whisper in the ear of Teddy Roosevelt, who suddenly becomes president a year later, hey, we got to set all this area in Alaska aside, and Roosevelt says, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to use the, the new Antiquities Act to essentially set aside 44 million acres of Alaska permanently for the people of the United States, and that's why so much of Alaska is still pristine. Wow. Wow. I want to see the Broadway musical of this story. This is fantastic. And, and God, I'd like to see that too. Wouldn't it be great? Or maybe a six-part Netflix series. Yeah, or yeah. that. Now yeah. listen, you mentioned two names, and they're two of like fathers of of the American conservation movement. Yeah. Can you mention their names again? Uh, John Muir, He's who's famous for uh, the Sierra Club. The Sierra right, Club, sort of the, okay. Sort of the bard of Yosemite. Right. And George Bird Grinnell, who nowadays is less well-known, but was probably more famous back then. Um, when he died in 1938, the New York Times called him the father of American conservation. He, he also founded uh, Glacier National Park out in Montana uh, that is very well known. He was a huge influence on uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Okay. They did a lot of work together. And did you say the Audubon Society? Yes, he also founded the Audubon Society, almost as like a uh, hobby in his spare time in the 1890s. Yeah. All yeah, these yeah, guys no. are on the boat together. All these guys are on the boat together. They're sort of, you know, cross-pollinating amongst each other. And, you know, I think this is sort of like the crucible in which you get the, the Western conservation with Muir and the Eastern conservation with George Bird Grinnell. And for the first time, they come together. And, you know, it, that's sort of like the spark that starts the movement that we know today. Wow. Wow. All right. Now, I have a girlfriend who lives part-time in Alaska in one of these tiny, tiny towns. And yep. she says what sh they have to do is they farm. They grow all the fruits and vegetables and then yeah. can them because they're not getting to a grocery store in the winter. But tell me yeah. about the people you met. You know, the small towns in Alaska were, were one of, if not my favorite thing that I encountered. You know, these, these small towns, I always tell people, it's like 1950s America, you know, all over again. You know, you get people on the far left, you get people on the far right, but they all have to get along because, as you mentioned, the conditions are so harsh. You leave your keys in the ignition. You don't lock your door at night. Everybody volunteers for the fire department. Everybody shows up for the school board meeting or the potluck. You know, you just got to get along. Um, and... Because Alaska is such a harsh environment, as you mentioned, um, a lot of people are doing, you know, getting most of their food for the year. They're fishing, they're hunting, they're foraging. And because the sunlight is so long in places like the Matsu Valley north of Anchorage, you know, they grow these enormous vegetables because you're getting, you know, 18, 20 hours of sunlight a day for three months out of the year. It's almost, it's almost like they can grow at, at double the rate because they're getting so much sunlight. We are talking to Mark Adams. He's written another fantastic book called Tip of the Iceberg, My 3,000-Mile Journey Around Wild Alaska, The Last Great American Frontier. You have to see it. When I was in Alaska, I had to go. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to like it. The radio station sent me with listeners, and I was like, okay, yeah. I'll go. It was the trip of a lifetime. I'd go back in a minute. And something happened to me in an Alaskan rainforest. 
I was so inspired by the beauty that I started to cry. That's never happened to me before. But if you spend yeah. some time in the beauty of Alaska, stuff happens. Did you feel that? Did you see enormous oh, things that absolutely. moved you? I mean, the, the thing that I say is, is it feels timeless. You know, it feels like you've, you've, you know, stepped outside of time because it feels like some of these places have always been this way. And with any luck, they'll, they'll be this way for a long, long time. You're dealing with mountains. You're dealing with glaciers. You know, you're dealing with geological time. And you can get so far away from civilization that... You know, it, it changes your metabolism. It changes, you know, your way of being in the world. It is, it, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. The only thing I would compare it to, and, and I don't know if you've been to the Amazon, but it, it's very similar in that way. That's just sort of like, you know, lush, ripe growth that occurs, you know, only during the summer in Alaska, obviously, but it's, it's you know, there's almost this fecundity that you feel when you're there that you don't feel in other places. Yeah. Geological time. That's that's the way to describe it. And eagles overhead, and you can see bear in the distance if you're lucky. <laughs> They're eagles, in the distance. Bears, and not moose. too close. Moose. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Oh, it's just phenomenal. Oh, I'm so well, I happy. Might go back right now. Yeah, me too. No, I haven't been to the <laughs> Amazon yet, but I rely on you to go places and then write about it. Thank you, Mark Adams. Where can we go for more information? Go to my website, markadamsbooks.com. I just love him. And if you'd like to win a copy of Tip of the Iceberg, visit casey.co. Click on Contact. Finally today, meet Mark and Angel Chernoff, creators of Mark and Angel Hack Life. Getting Back to Happy is their new book. After suffering the loss of two family members, Mark and Angel had to rewire their lives for happiness. Getting Back to Happy is their book, and they say your pen can change your life when you're feeling good or feeling bad. We'll talk to Mark and Angel right after this. Reiki is the world's most popular form of energy healing. Now you have an opportunity to study Reiki from one of the world's leading Reiki masters. Brett Bevel is an internationally published author and works with some of Hollywood's elite, endorsed by Kariana Nava from Dancing with the Stars. Reiki master Brett Bevel is offering a first and second degree Reiki training the weekend of June 29th through July 1st at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck. And if you already have Reiki training, Brett and several leading Reiki authors Authors are offering the Power of Reiki Conference at Omega Institute, June 1st through 3rd. There you can learn new techniques to deepen your Reiki practice. Learn more about Brett at brettbevel.com and learn more about these transformational Reiki workshops at eomega.org. That's the Power of Reiki Conference, June 1st through 3rd, and the Reiki Training Weekend, June 29th through July 1st. Find more at brettbevel.com. That's brettbevel.com. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for listening to Shine On today. Our guests are Angel and Mark Chernoff. Journaling, rituals, and healing practices are all outlined in their book, Back to Happy. One that we really focused on was just having a gratitude journal. Just every night before you go to bed, listing three things that you're grateful for. And it can be as simple as, I made it home from work today. I have a spouse who loves me. 
and little things like that. I mean, and that's been proven by positive psychology studies again and again. Just, you know, gratitude almost seems like a cliche, but it's not when you practice it consistently, right? When you make it a ritual of looking at those little things, you start to see more of them in your life. You start to identify with them. So that's a huge one. But on the flip side of that, let's go to the complete opposite end. We can't bypass the fact that we have terrible things happen to us, struggles, unexpected adversities, and so forth. And for that, you need to deal with it. You can't just brush it aside, right? We have negative emotions that we have to accept and embrace. And so a totally different kind of journaling would be recording those negative thoughts in the heat of the moment. So you have, you're, you're going through your day, you're feeling the pressure, the anxiety. It doesn't have to be the loss of a loved one. It could be just a bad day, right? If you catch yourself in one of those moments, pause and just write it down. Get it out of your head, 60 seconds, right? Whenever feasible. If you're in a business meeting, maybe not, but most of the time it is feasible. Get it out of your head. Interrupt that thought process and record the honesty of what's going on in your head. Be clear about it. The more honest it is, it's probably the more, more uh, ridiculous it'll sound sometimes, but that's okay. Get it out of your head. Then do that as often as you need throughout the week. At the end of the week, maybe on a Saturday morning or something, when you have some time to dedicate to yourself, when you have no pressure, you're calm and collected, open up that journal of thoughts, those tough times during your week. It might sound counterproductive, but you're literally, when you're feeling calm and collected, going back and looking at the most stressful moments in your, in your week. And if you've been honest with yourself, you're going to have a journal of, of some pretty wild thoughts and read through them. And then take the one that brings you back to the moment, that stretches you out the most, and, and evaluate it. Not you're wrong for thinking this, but, you know, is this, is this story, is this thought all that's true about you? Like maybe it's like, I, I'm not good enough for these people, right? Is, is that true? Like what's the opposite? I am good enough for these people. Can you think of some examples in your life where that's true? And there's plenty of other questions, right? Like, you know, if you could somehow just step, like, or remove that thought from your head, like, like what else about that circumstance might, might you see? Like, what else, what else is there that you're not seeing? Because when we, are, when we are negative, we are narrowly focused. Mark and Angel on journaling find rituals and healing practices outlined in their book, Getting Back to Happy. Mark and Angel Chernoff enter to win this book and Mark Adams' tip of the iceberg where it says contact at Casey.co. Our thought for the day from Dale Carnegie, who said, Inaction breeds doubt and fear. Action breeds confidence and courage. If you want to conquer fear, do not sit home and think about it. Go out and get busy. Go. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On. Shine On.